This is an ABC podcast. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Good morning, WA. Hello, Sabrina. Well... Hello, Christine Leighton. It is National Free Day today. Whoop, whoop, I say. How do we commemorate this? Um, Well, uh, there are so many activities going on around the state. Um, Usually Sunday, so Sunday, um, National Tree Day is celebrated at all the schools on Friday, the Friday just gone, and they do all sorts of tree planting and stuff with the kids. And then Sunday is where all these community groups get together and they do tree planting all over the state. So what you do, if people are interested in getting involved in this, then you go just, just Google National Tree Day Western Australia then um, it'll come up with all the different things of all the different local councils in particular are doing. There's a lot of stuff happening around, around wetlands, around Banksia woodlands. Um, but, you know, it is interesting because a National Tree Day, uh, there's a lot of tree planting goes on, yeah. which is sensational. But I think it's a really good time to think about what we have left existing. Yes, So um, in Western Australia, we have very little old-growth forest. In fact, Mm. 2%, like zip, not a lot. Wow. So um, I think it's a really good time for people to to look at the remnant old-growth forest that we have left in this state and to do everything that we can do to protect the very few old-growth areas that we have left Um, and I know in the southwest there's uh, a lot of you know there's a lot of fight going on to try and save the little pockets of uh, old growth down there and a lot of the problem is coming from the legislation so what happens is it's the terminology of what fits old growth okay so um what does fit well the old growth well the guidelines appear to be changing every year so that um really old trees can in fact be logged right so okay so at the moment how old do they have to be to be protected well it's it's a complex system so it's more Mm -hmm. than just age it's about the degradation that's around the trees that are in that old growth area okay so um it will be deemed that you know there's already destruction around that forest so even though you've got a stand of half a hectare of thousand year old trees they can be logged because the forest around them has been degraded which i totally disagree with Um, so every area is different but really what I think what needs to happen is that the the old growth that we have left in the state Mm. every single tree needs to be protected of old growth forest and you know I think about with my grandchildren I'd love to be able to take them down the southwest to look at old growth forests but unless we you know do something that's that totally protects them then nothing to show nothing to show and of course forests are very complex organisms so they're massive systems and there are literally millions of species within a forest and i'm talking about you know the soil as well the microscopic so so much more than just those big beautiful trees absolutely so you know plant a tree but 
protector tree. Love the old ones. Yes. <laughs> 1300 Give us a call. Speak to Sabrina. Um, halfway through the show as well, we are going to talk about uh, the explosion of feral pigs in parts mm. of WA. Uh, what is being done and why we have this problem in the first place. So mm. uh, for those of you who are affected by it, that is coming up as well. 0437 So save your pig questions for then. But <laughs> if we're not doing how to cook so Suckling pig. <laughs> no, it's not. We're not doing a cooking show. <laughs> the perfect pork crackling, which my <laughs> husband is still battling with in our new rental. Um, Cheryl from Capel sent us these photos of of her not so good looking proteas. Any oh. rescue ideas? One is kind of um, brown well, with white fur, and one is totally white. Yeah, well, that's the colour that, that the protea. Yeah, that's oh. the colour that protea buds come out. Right. So you've got a dark. That'll probably be a blood red protea. Um, unless it's dead dead, which it doesn't look like it's dead dead, because it's still got all the white furry bits on oh, it. So, so that's a good thing, Cheryl. Yeah. Wonderful. You can have beautiful flowers, Cheryl. <laughs> all right. Crisis averted. That's a good way to start the show. Joe is in Ardross. Good morning, Joe. Oh, good morning, ladies. How are you both? Good. So good. That's good. I'm looking forward to hearing about the feral pigs. Yes. Well, mm. it's um, it's affecting lots and lots and lots of areas now. They the the old pigs are um, certainly leaving their mark across the state. So it's oh. a serious problem. I'm sure it is. Well, I'd like to ask you, Sabrina, about your thoughts on the Chinese tallow tree. Yeah. And, um, basically what it's in uh, root systems like, whether it really is a pest or whether it will be happy in a... I've got an area that's about a two-metre circle that's just um, dirt with bark chips on it. Yeah. I had a tree removed. Yeah. I for something to put back in. Yep. And surrounding that is lawn. But um, So we were happy with our decision until <laughs> a friend said, oh, no, you don't want to be planting one of those. They are shocking. Well, well, look... Um the problem with the Chinese tallow is it's not coping terribly well with our changing climate. Uh, it, it's getting really, really stressed. So uh, it, it, once they get cracking, they the, they self-seed all over the place and they will sucker. Okay. Um, but the other, but on the other side of things, uh, they're they're basically struggling, and you'll get die back on some of the stems. Oh. So. It's yeah, it's so I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd pick a different tree. Uh, any thoughts on a different tree? Then? If you want a small deciduous tree yes. um, with a fairly open crown, you could go for any of the ornamental pears. Okay. Um, also, the quince tree is a beautiful tree. Ooh. And very hardy, has beautiful flowers. Uh, if you don't like eating quinces, that's fine because the parrots will do it for Christine. you. Or give them to Christine. Or give them to Christine yep. Layton. She'll mm-hmm. take care of them for you. Mm-hmm. Um, even single apple trees. Okay. If you have an apple tree and you've only got one apple tree, you'll only, you won't get apples anyway, so you don't right. need to worry about the fruit. Right, okay. But apples, almonds, quince, they're all beautiful deciduous small trees and... You get the bonus of fruit. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty. Uh, our um, chat about old growth forest mm. has prompted Jane from Jaredale to call. Hello, Jane. Hello there. Morning, I'm Jane. Very glad to hear you talking about the your old growth forest down south. 
we've, of course, in the northern Darra forest, we have virtually no old growth forest. Yeah. Very little. Yeah. Um, but what we do have is the March of Alcoa through, especially now they can mine again other areas they've already mined because they're exporting it raw. Yeah. And we have very little good Jarra left. Yeah. And the, the rehab is never going to grow again, so we're losing our northern Jarra forest. Yeah, that's why I was explaining that within a forest, of course, there is a whole system that happens there. And that that literally takes thousands of years to develop. So everything that that lives in a forest, that creates the forest, that makes the forest and keeps the forest healthy, takes thousands of years. So um, we definitely need to, um, you know, look at what we've got left and, and protect it. All right. 1300 Colin is in Bustleton. Hi, Colin. What's your question? Good morning, both of you. Morning, Colin. Hey, just quickly, is it too late to trim my kangaroo paws? No, absolutely okay. not. Now, if you're a gardener like me, Colin, you do stuff when you've got time to do it. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so it's never too late because what happens when you prune something, it gives it a signal that it has to regrow in a few weeks. So Beautiful. you go right ahead and prune your kangaroo paws, Colin. Thank you very much. That's all I needed to know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the news is good. Uh, 0437922720. Pete in Wilson said, Sabrina, I bought this Sultana grapevine two months ago, but it hasn't developed at all. Is it dead, dying or dormant? <laughs> um, and it's, it's got a beautiful um, understory of weeds. It, it does. Clover. It, it has a lovely little spot of weeds. There. It's a very attractive Grecian urn pot though, isn't it? <laughs> it is. um, no, there's nothing wrong with your grapevine. Um, it's just gone into dormancy. Okay. What I would suggest you do now is you give it a lime sulphur spray or a copper spray so that that protects it from fungal diseases in spring. But no, she's alive. Oh, very good. Uh, Dawn is in Gibson. Good morning, Dawn. Hi, girls. Hello, Dawn. Um, I'm trying to get the name of a magnificent hibiscus that dies off each year. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that have... um, they have the flowers the size of a bread and butter plate. <laughs> the big red ones. The yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. There's stunning. lots of ants in them. Yeah, always. yeah. <laughs> they, they like collecting the nectar. Yes. Um, now, that's a very good question, Dawn. And um, I, now they're a deciduous one. And if you wait for about, this is what happens um, when you get a bit older, uh, your brain just gets these mental blocks. <laughs> And um, so it, it, it'll come to me. I'll just... Um, <laughs> and by come I'm, to me, uh, I've Googled it on my phone and I've passed that to Sabrina. <laughs> um, so it is. Uh, it's that one. Which it is, is actually is it hibiscus. M-O-S-C-H-E-U-T-O-S. Is that the... Mm, we try, we're trying very hard to research on the spot for you, Don. It's um, now, look, I know that there's about... There will be at least 100 people sitting by their phone <laughs> screaming at me the name <laughs> of that particular hibiscus. And you usually uh, can only get them at certain times of the year. So we would love someone to ring in with the proper name of that particular uh, hibiscus because it, it's a, more of a tropical one, actually. So it dies down and then comes back up the following year. Right. I do know, Dawn, that they only live for about four or five years and uh, 
and then they're kaput. But my jolly goodness, they're worth growing. Okay. I um, know that one's called Summertime something. It's not Rose Mallow. No, no, no definitely okay. not. No. All right, no. So no taking... use to you yet, Dawn. We'll put the producers onto it. <laughs> they're, um, they're, we'll get them to come up because they are... They are available here in WA. Zero four three seven nine double two seven twenty. Um, some people seeing a dropping of flower buds as a sign that they're... no, 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 it is a definite specific type of hibiscus and the flowers are enormous. All right, I'm waiting for the text line to take off. Uh, it is 17 minutes past nine. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. On the text line uh, from Paul and Erin in Gidiganup, avid listeners, they say our passion fruit vine is full of Full-size green fruit. Will yep. they still ripen? We want to prune it. Yeah. What and when should we do? Okay. How and when should we do this? Too early to prune, but pick that passion fruit, bring it inside, and even though they won't go black or yellow, depending on which one you've got, uh, they will ripen. Don't prune your passion fruits until the end of September. Mm-hmm. And Clint said grafted or non-grafted passion fruit? Uh, depend- now, the grafted what happens with the grafted passion fruit is they uh, they sucker because the root system suckers. So people are going for the, more for the non-grafted passion fruit. So okay. um, let's go to Yana, who's in two J. Hello, Yana. Hello. How are you? Good, Good. Yana. Good. Um, I live in a house that's about thirty years old, and I seem to have some kind of grass growing in my shower recess. So in the wall of the shower recess. It's almost like it's coming up through the foundation of the house. How marvellous. Out. So what we're wondering is what kind of, or what species of grass might grow without sunlight for one and how we could... Wow. <laughs> how modern. Um, a lot of people have fake lawn on their balconies and inside and yeah. you've got it in your shower. Real, not, real people lawn. spend a fortune on creating green walls and yours just happens to happen on its own accord. Can you send us a photo, Yana? I would love to see it. Is it, a, is it a fine leaf grass? Um, it's kind of, yes, it is. So it's spindly. It looks like hike, and, and that's sort of what I've thrown out there. Yeah. But, you know, we've had some tradesmen and things come through the house, and, and nobody seems to know what it is. They're all a bit shocked by it. That's hilarious. You, you know what? It could be kike or cooch because they yeah. have stolons that run under the ground and yeah. will grow in complete dark. Right. So, okay, so it is possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> is it? Ah. Would it be easy to spray for that reason? Because it's in the shower, you can just spray it. and <laughs> yeah. it, it just runs off the tiles. Yeah, but but just... do you want to? You want to keep it? <laughs> what are you going to do, Yana? Well, someone suggested to, to spray because obviously we can access only one part of it. If we were trying to kill it without actually removing mm. the whole wall, yeah. Um, but someone suggested spraying a bit of Roundup on it, but I'm not sure. No, no, you don't want that inside your house. No, exactly. No, no, <laughs> all, you, all you need to do is spray salt and vinegar on it, Yana. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so <laughs> it, it, the salt and vinegar will just burn it and probably clean your tiles all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so would that sort of burn, because I'm imagining that it's sort of going deeper than what we can Oh, yeah, see, yeah, yeah, it definitely um, is. Will that sort of penetrate or no. sort of move through or just kill the, the No, to part. kill the top. But if you keep killing the top part, then the the stolen underneath, um, yeah. depending where the point of 
growth is, yeah. it will it, it'll exhaust it and it'll die. Okay. So, right. so just you can buy a salt and vinegar weed killer that's all made up for you. Keep it in the shower because it's not going to harm anything in your bathroom. No. And every time after you finish having a shower, give it a little spray. Okay. No worries, Yana. Call the day goes to Yana in two J. Uh, Thirteen hundred triple two seven twenty doesn't mean to say that yours won't be equally as important. Um, <laughs> we've got some good texts coming in as well. Cam said I had. I have a dragon fruit, present mm. tense. had mm. it for five years. It's mm. in a pot and hasn't grown much until we moved it about six months ago. Still in the same pot and it's quadrupled in size. When mm. or will it fruit? It has these long shoots and bulbs off some of the ends. Yeah. Now, with dragon fruit, you need more than one. So you need, oh. uh, you need a friend for it that's from a different clone, You need to be generous and have two or three. Yes, a couple. Now, the reason it's grown because you've moved it because dragon fruit are very sensitive to changes in temperature. Mm-hmm. So um, where, wherever you've moved it to, it's a much happier, happier camper. But you need to get it a camping buddy, another mm-hmm. dragon fruit in another pot. Okay. All right. 1300 uh, Brad is in Bunbury. Hi, Brad. Good morning. Morning, Brad. Hi. My wife and I bought a renovator house last year. Ah, renovator's uh, delight. Yeah, it started that way. <laughs> After about a month there, I discovered they actually had an apple tree in the backyard. It was totally engulfed by a privet. And yeah. It looked like it had been pruned for a long time. It fruited. I got one, there's only one tree. It fruited. It looked like possibly a Jonathan apple. Yep. Very munted and got hammered by a fruit fly, I think, or maybe enough cotton moss still a problem, but. So anyway, I've cleared it out, I've pruned it back and opened it all up. What do I do to give it a chance to have another crack? Well, okay. Now, you can dig it up and move it, Brad, and prune the top of it and the root system. So that's, you know, especially if you've got a bit of machinery. Or you dig a big trench around it and in that trench you make up your own little magic mix of really good quality compost, some cow manure, a little bit of clay, um, slow-release fertiliser and you dig all that, put that in the trench and that's usually enough for it to really go whoopah. Oh, good. Is, is there still a moth problem? It would be more fruit fly, I reckon. Right, Yeah. So, quite dry and very brown inside the fruit. Yeah. I already started the fruit before I even discovered I had it. It was that overgrown. Oh, wow. It's like finding treasure in the backyard. Yeah, stuff like that. Thank you, Brad. 1300-222-720 or 0437922720. We'll have your pick of the week next, Sab, and then we're going to talk about pig control. 1300-222-720. Bill is in Albany. Hello, Bill. Hello. Oh, Bill's, uh, Bill is actually in Thornley. However... Oh, oh well, look wow. at that. A bit different, probably a bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, OK. Uh, like your show, of course. Um, I, it occurred to me when I was a boy living down south, that, <clears throat> I always just say, oh, we must not stop the timber industry because uh, there's so many blokes working on it. Yeah. Well, I'm just wondering what will happen when... Um, when the undertakers run short of work. Oh. <laughs> well, do you know, speaking of undertakers and, and being short of work, what's going to happen now is we're going to get fungal body bags. No need for wood in a coffin. Oh. Um, 
the problem is our bodies take so long to break down now. Yeah. So some genius scientist has invented a body bag that's um, full of microscopic fungi and bacteria yeah. so that it breaks your body down much, wow. much faster. That's, I think it's a brilliant idea. That's fascinating. It's a little it? bit like wrapping a mummy up except you're putting it in, <laughs> in a like, mushroom body bag. Right. And so... I think that's brilliant. So, you know, you put the body in the ground mm. and then your body feeds whatever's growing around you. Wow. Which is a marvellous thing. That is amazing. Um, a lot of people elect to be cremated nowadays, but if yeah. there are an option yeah. like that and, and you really love the environment or, yeah. you know, you could you could be somewhere. Go in a fungi buddy bag. Yeah. <laughs> would you do it, sir? Bloody oath I would. Yeah. I mean, it's a great idea. <laughs> but, of course, you can't just, just drop your body anywhere. No. I mean, no. there are rules no. and regulations. You might like someone's garden, or you might really, <laughs> might really look the, like the look of that, um, you and know, look, grevillea, But you can't just. I've buried Labradors, and you have to dig a bloody big hole. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. So, so there are, there still will be. But I think it's a really good idea. Now, bodies are taking so long to break down because of all the crap that we eat these days. Mm. But um, <laughs> just keep. Keep yourself posted on that. I think it's a brilliant idea. <laughs> uh, 1300 720, 25 minutes past nine. Rhonda is in Rivervale. Hello, Rhonda. Hello. How are you, girls? We're good. good. I could hear that. Um, <laughs> Colour lilies, how do I handle them? Or, you know, what... What about, I just I want to know all about them. Okay. So calla lilies um, require, well, they like really uh, warm, humid environments and they need to um, always be moist, Rhonda. You don't want them drying out. Um, uh, they need quite a bit of light. So I know a lot of people grow them in indoors, but in actual fact they need a lot of light. Right. So... Uh, and um, liquid fertilising is really good, and you do that in spring and summer when they're actively growing. Right. They will have periods of time where they die down just to sort of the bulb, um, and then they, they shoot back up again. So they don't like the cold weather. So, yeah, right. Okay, well then, thank you for that. Okay, no worries, Rhonda. Thank you. 1300-222-720. Barbara is in Sorrento. Hi, Barbara. Oh, is Barbara uh, in Sorrento? Or maybe she's not? No. I, uh, I wonder if someone else is there. Hang on. Let's go to... She is here. Hello, Hi. Hello Barbara. Ah, very good. Hello, Barbara. How Hi. are you? I'm fine. Thank That's you. That's good. I'm out of my garden at, at the moment. Uh, but Sabrina, um, I wanted to know, I've got a pixie bell apple tree and also um, a granny that yep. both dwarf. They're not very dwarf. They keep growing. Yeah. But um, I, I've got an apple dimpling bug that has got on the, the pinker bells. And I want to know what do I need to do so that it doesn't get onto the grannies. And, okay. Um, yeah. Now, the trouble, the trouble with the apple dinkling, dink, dinkling? <laughs> dimpling, dinkling, <laughs> um, is the little sods are out and about before you know mm -hmm. they're there. So what happens yeah. is they actually, it's, it's the back of the calyx, so just at flowering okay. time. Um, yeah. so, so as soon as flowering's finished, if you use neem oil or pyrethrum, that's okay. that's when you need to control them because once the fruit starts really developing, it's too late because mm -hmm. yeah. the damage yeah. is done very early on. So that's yeah. that's your best 
that's your best bet to do that. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. The neem oil. Get yeah. that out. Neem oil or pyrethrum. Okay, because they're just starting to just starting to kind of flower even now. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's all sorts Mm. of crazy stuff going on with fruit trees Mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So hard to know what to... Well, this is where we get back to what we used to do in the olden days, Barbara, Mm. is we observed. (laughs) We observed what was going on and then we took action. Was it the peach tree last weekend that was flowering? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the middle of winter because it didn't know what day it was. So, um, yeah, so, yep. Uh, that now's the time to take action. Soon as soon as the petals start falling off, there has been an explosion of feral pigs in the southwest, and we often get questions about pig control yeah, and we roots have. and shoots, even though we don't do pigs. Don't do pigs, love. She no. doesn't do pigs. <laughs> she don't do chickens either. So you've called in the experts. We've got Dr. Peter Adams, who is an invasive species development officer from the Department of Primary Industries and Regional Development. Hello, Peter. Hello, Christine. Hello, Sabrina. Thank Hello. you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thanks for coming in. Andrew Gorton is from, uh, sorry, he's Blackwood Biosecurity Officer and Vertebrate Pest Coordinator. Hello, Andrew. That's it. It's a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) It is a mouthful, isn't it? Good Lord. By the time we've introduced you, the hour's gone. (laughs) That's right. So tell us firstly, what is happening in terms of feral pigs across WA? Yeah. What do we know? What do we know is we know they're a growing problem. Um... And there's a whole heap of issues that go with that. Uh, The main problem with pigs is they're an incredibly smart animal, extremely efficient in reproducing uh, and very mobile. And they're now popping up in areas that haven't never seen pigs before. Um, Like where? A lot of of the West Arthur area, um, that sort of thing. I mean, they're always sort of concentrated in the southwest, in in our area, in the the forest, but we're now finding them out in um, more in in agricultural areas. yeah, and they, they've slipped under the radar a little bit and managed to build up numbers to now a, a level that the, the damage is very real. Mm. The, the breeding capacity that the feral pigs have, sorry, um, is certainly they, they, they can, if you do let them go for too long, certainly the um, all of a sudden they can explode. The population numbers yeah. can explode on you very quickly. Well, they pop out those little piglets in a fair few numbers, don't yeah. they? Uh, like average average litter size is four to six, and we're probably nudging six a lot mm. more than we're nudging four in many okay. instances. Do we have it's any in- idea how many pigs are out there at the moment? It's hard to quantify, isn't it, really? <laughs> totally. Uh, it varies widely mm. uh, depending on the environmental conditions depending on seasons so it yeah it's 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 not an easy number to quantify but there's a lot okay. right let's talk about why why it's happening mm. what are some of the causes I think it's just mainly um, it's time. Pigs, pigs are introduced to Australia and WA at, at um, colonisation, um, and at that time they were kept in a sort of semi-feral state. They'd range uh, freely, and not naturally, what comes with that is animals escape and they set up their own little populations, and those numbers build. But we've also modified the environment. We have uh, large farming areas, we have large crops, and uh, abundant water, shelter, and food is all pigs need right. to. Uh, to, to procreate and mm. expand and, and I think we're just seeing a, 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 a long slow burn of the pig population expanding and, and growing and, and we're getting to experimental exponential growth. And I think the um, well the callers that we've had that ring into this program that say you know what can we do about it because as you say they're, they're clever little sods but they're a large animal so you know, people ring in sort of desperate to know what they can actually do within their 
their area to try and control the feral pig population. So are there strategies that you can give people? Yeah, there, there is. And, and it's probably one of our main, um, our main things we're, we're doing at the moment is, is we're getting an idea of, of what and where pigs are, are now travelling and moving. And we're pretty well resourced to be able to get on sites fairly quickly um, and supply help, information, um, traps if we need to and all the, 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 the associated gear that the average farmer isn't going to have available to him. Mm. Um, it's, it, but I think the main thing we're going to work on or we're trying to work on is a coordinated approach between the different farmers and, and even the different agencies, um, you know, the state forest, that sort of thing. Mm. Because there's no point in farmer A trapping pigs and farmer B shooting pigs and farmer C doing nothing because he's an absentee and he's in mm. Perth and doesn't really care. So having the, the, the biosecurity group is, is enabling us to bring them all together and we can make a plan across an area um, which is going to have far more effect than individually trying to tackle the problem themselves. So I guess, it, yeah, it's, it's a source of information readily available that hasn't been available before. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask a controversial question? I have heard um, from a number of people that there are those who let pigs go in the wild. They breed Because they and love let, to hunt. They, they let them go because they like <coughs> to hunt. Is that, is that happening? Ab- absolutely. There is. Uh, we have uh, unequivocal div- um, documented evidence. There was a genetic study uh, performed by Murdoch University back in 2004 looking at the genetic structure of feral pigs and there was three cases, definite cases within that study that showed feral pigs in one population where their genetics describe that they should be in another population and the oh. most obvious of that was pigs um, down in the northern Jarrah forest that actually belonged in Northampton so right. uh, wow. those, whilst pigs do move they, they, they don't <laughs> they move that, that they can't actually fly is Not what really, you're saying no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I was shocked to hear that so what, what happens if somebody is caught breeding pigs and releasing them for those purposes yeah. I mean what kind of penalties go along with that the, uh, we, have, we have some legislation called the Biosecurity Agricultural Management Act 2007 um, and regulations associated with that. So feral pigs are a declared pest. There are mm. a number of declared pests and it is a requirement as being a declared pest that it is the land manager's responsibility to manage those declared pests on their property. Um, and certainly the legislation has monetary uh, penalties and fines associated with uh, people either a not controlling but or also actively moving and disseminating those pests as well so okay. so so what are some of the um let's talk about some of the environmental damage that pigs do because it's it's more than just digging up scrub isn't it Ab- so absolutely. can you can you sort of uh, explain what damage pigs actually do well i um i finished a uh, research project a little while ago looking at, at pig abundance and pig populations and the, the damage they do and the abundance of them. Um, we we estimated basically after three years of trudging through the bush and looking at pig dig, um, easily a population of pigs will disturb more than 12 million tonnes of soil in a given year. Wow. Um, that is, that is, I mean, that is, that is commercial quantities of soil movement yeah. by pigs. Um, but even more importantly was we also looked at the role pigs have in potential dissemination of plant pathogens, mm. uh, Phytophthora cinnamomi or, or Jarrah dieback in particular. And um, certainly there was work previously done that shows that soil transport by pigs can transport the, 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 um, the fungus. But what we also looked at was whether or not they could actually feed in an active dieback uh, infection front and whether that can actually transmit through their gastrointestinal tract and pop out the other end and 
Long story short, absolutely. Really? Um, you're probably looking at about whatever they eat, about 10% comes out the end, yep. the other end, yep. um, and it's viable. And so they are capable of actually consuming uh, woody material yep. with with the uh, with the pathogen in it mm. and actually spreading and that spreading, around the wow. spreading disease. It's mm. seventeen minutes to ten on ABC Radio Perth. You're listening to Roots and Shoots with a few extra guests. We've got Sabrina mm. Hahn. I'm Christine. As far as I remember, Dr. Peter Adams <laughs> is the Invasive Species Development Officer and feral pig expert from DPERB. And we've also got Andrew Gorton, who is the Blackwood Biosecurity Officer and Vertebrate Pest Coordinator. We're talking about the feral pig problem. Um, next Friday, you're actually holding a sundowner in West Arthur, one of the problem areas that you mentioned, Andrew, um, to encourage uh, a large number of concerned farmers to, to attend and kind of talk about the problem. So moving forward, what, what can they do? What can be done? It comes back to this coordinated approach. If, if we can get everybody talking, everybody on the same page, then we can make fairly big inroads uh, in those areas. And that's what this meeting is all about. Pete's going to be there to, uh, to point out the economic problems and the environmental problems. Uh, and let's face it, the farmers, it's, it's an economical problem that, mm. that, that will get them motivated to tackle the, the issue. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a start, it's a kick-off uh, uh, to get everybody on the same page let them know we're there um, and, and try and form a plan from that. Yeah. So it's, all very, it's going to be a very casual sort of affair. We'll cook a few sausages and have a drink. and Pork, pork sausages? sausages, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting text here from John in Bunbury who said, um, good morning, wild pigs appear to know when you are not armed in my experience. Would you say that's right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're clever. They are they, clever sods. I mean, they, they even know sounds of vehicles. Um, so, you know, we get lots of cases where farmers are feeding their sheep with their sheep feeders behind the utes yep. and the pigs know the sound of that ute and oh, out and they come and onto, the, onto the sheep oh. trail. And yet if you turn up with the ute, you go spotlighting on at night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're gone. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's the best... So if people are concerned about, you know, and really want to do something about this, what's their best point of call what's the first thing they should do absolutely within within the southwest and and further further afield as well there are a number of community groups that are established yeah some of those are recognized by security groups some of those are also uh, just community-led feral pig or vertebrate pest management groups yeah um, they are sprinkled throughout the southwest we almost have close to full coverage of the areas in the footprint so wow. certainly ask around local shires will know um, but certainly if you're an area with a with a recognised biosecurity group such as the Blackwood yep. uh, by all means reach out contact that group and they will be able to assist you and point you in the right direction yeah awesome we, we cover um, Bridgetown Greenbushes uh, bailing up Donnybrook South Boyerbrook and West Arthur so that's sort of our, our area right. our operational that's a, area that's a fairly vast area isn't it is it? Yeah. that's yeah and um well, we've got we've got a we've got a pig question coming in. We so. do. Um, Charles is in Boyupbrook, beautiful part of the world. Hi, Charles. Hi. What's uh, your question? I was just wondering what Deepwater are doing about the pigs that are breeding in the state forests, and then or in railway reserves and that sort of thing, and then coming onto the farms, digging up their soil, and then disappearing back into the bush again. 
Yes, uh, that's a good question, Charles, and that's a question that we get a lot. Um, just absolute clarification from the get-go. I'm, I'm deperred, not depaw, but um, certainly uh, the DBCA or Parks and Wildlife have uh, established pig control programs in their in the state forest and in, in Crown-managed lands. Um, they certainly target the pig impacts on biodiversity resources, but as I'm sure you can appreciate, their, their parcels of land are very extensive and the pigs are going to happily move between different areas. I can, I can add a bit there, Charles. Right at the present moment, we're, we're working with them to get access to the state forest areas. Uh, now, as a biosecurity group, we've got to be a little bit careful as to, to where we're working, but it'll certainly... It, it's fantastic that what's happening because what it'll enable us to do is to get in and, uh, and to target the pigs that are causing private landowners the issue. Now, we've not been able to do that in the past, uh, and that's happening as we speak. Hopefully, that'll be in place in the next few weeks. Um, so the pigs, yes, the pigs that come out and cause problems on the farmland that retreat into the state forest, we're usually safe, but uh, hopefully in the future we'll certainly be able to do something with them from now on. So it's, a, it's been a great breakthrough. All right, thank you for your question, Charles. Um, we've got all of the details for the event that's going on in Darkin at the Sport and Community Centre next Friday. If you want Andrew's direct contact number, give us a call, 1300 I'll pass it on to our producers. Um, thank you both for coming into the studios this morning to talk about this really important issue. Uh, Peter, thanks for your time. Thank you. Good luck with it as well. Thank you. Yeah, we'll need it. <laughs> yeah. Top job, guys, yeah. top job. Oh, and, you, you know, it, it makes it really abundantly clear that it has to be a concerted effort for everyone, every individual. Um, if we all take part in it, then we, it, we've got a much better job of trying to control the, the feral bacon running um, <laughs> order of things. Uh, it's 12 minutes to 10 on ABC Radio Perth. We've got time for some more calls and thank you to those who have been waiting patiently on the line. We'll get to those in just a tick. Um, some texts about your pick of the week at 9.30 from ah. Mason Air. Some love. Ah. Hey, a zillion times better than last week. Love Mason Air. <laughs> Amanda said it was an awesome song and then somebody came in at the end and said, sounds like an elevator I was in once. So Aww. I think that's a, that's a great that's a great throw of shade there. I really like that. 0437922720. Must have been a cool elevator is all I can say. You must have been somewhere funky like going up to a German nightclub, baby. <laughs> Which you would. Ah, oh, yes. Um, Vicky is in Calamunda. Thanks for waiting, Vicky. What's your question for Sabrina? Oh, hi, Sabrina. Hello, Vicky. Sabrina, I got a big shock the other morning when I went out to look at my broad beans, which mm -hmm. are growing beautifully, and they're stripped. Now, I'm presuming it's rats. Rats love broad beans. Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> oh, look, rats. Yes. They're so difficult to control. Um, now, the reason they're difficult to control, Vicky, is because they... They are the favourite food of all the night-flying predatory birds like owls. Oh. So when we use rat bait... Um, yes, I know I can't. That's yeah. Why I'm, I'm so the only thing that... Now, what I've found has worked for a little while is I've had strips of um, plastic fencing... Yes. With with um, pickets, so I've made a little trellis around my plants, and I've smeared 
the plastic fencing with the stuff that you used to put on your chest. It's uh, in a in a poop. cream, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that, you're at a quiz night. You yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's you right, rub Mickey. on your chest to make you breathe better, and the rats hate it. Um. Oh, good. The okay. other thing that people have used is the bin cleaning stuff, phenyl. Oh, yes, yep. Um, but I've found that the because what happens when it rains, the phenol sort of runs off, but yep. the chest rub stuff sticks on. Yes, because it's got Vaseline in it. Yeah, and then when they get it on their little feet, they try and lick it off and, the, and it, you know, they, it gets stuck on their tongue and they just do not like it at all. All right, give that a go, Vicky. 1300 Let's go to... Oh! Oh, Phil, we were so close. No. No, he's definitely no, not he's there. Gone. No, Okay, just checking. Oh, he'd been but, waiting but I for could so answer long. his question. So, Phil, oh. I know you've hung up and you want to know the name of the tallest, fastest growing barrier tree to disguise a very attractive <laughs> NBN tower. <laughs> Thank you to our producers. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes, okay. that's popped up. One of the fastest, super quick things are a poplar called the Simon's Poplar. Um, it is deciduous, but it's only bare for like two months a year, but it's super fast. It grows straight up just like a pole um, and within five years it'll be as high as what your, your tower is. Oh, mm. okay. Is there nothing you can't answer? I, a lot. Oh, well, I what was the name of the hibiscus? That's what I couldn't yes. answer, Steen. The Dawn in Gibson. Okay, it's called Hibiscus Summerific. Now, I had to Google it because, because I just because could not human remember it. That's fair. Um, so hibiscus summerific, and they are astonishing. They do not like, as I've found out, highly alkaline soils. Oh. So if you live on the coastal plains, you really need to build the soil up with compost, powdered sulphur and clay. Okay. If anyone knows Dawn, let her know. Yep. Um, Corey is in Heathridge. Hello, Corey. Good morning. Morning, Corey. Yeah, look, um, I got a uh, offer that was too good to refuse on my uh, house and land here, and there's a beautiful dragon blood tree in the backyard. I think they're going to develop the block. Oh. I think it's, it's too good to knock down, and I want to know what I can do to try and move that on. You can definitely transplant that, Corey. It's about two and a half, three metres tall. Yep, no problem at all, apart from the fact that they they weigh an absolute tonne and you're going to need machinery um, to because they are incredibly heavy. So if you can get a bobcat in there or a little digger, that's what you're going to have to use. But, look, they transplant really, really well uh, and it's a good time of the year to do it now, Corey. All right, no worries. And I heard they're worth a little bit of money. You don't know anyone who's interested in it. <laughs> No, they're worth a lot of money. If it's that tall, it's oh, probably really? worth a couple of thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Do you know anyone, Sabrina? Um, I tell you what, Corey, you know what people do? No advertising do? on the ABC, no, no, no. Corey. But you know what people do when, they want, when they've got, you know, big mm. old plants and they don't want to see them go to the tip? They just put it on uh, Gumtree or a Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. A lot, lots of um, suburbs have their own Facebook pages these days. Oh, yeah. I love my Inglewood yeah. community. We've got time. one where I live, down. so mm. either put it on there or, or just whack it on your, on your gum tree. All right. Well, not literally because it'll break your gum tree. They're very heavy. <laughs> 
Dracco. It's Dracaena Draco, by the way. Oh. If you, you know, is it? botanically, if you want to put a name on it. Okay. Um, Ash is in City Beach. Hello, Ash. Hi, good morning. morning. Um, I've just uh, moved into a rental and it has a lovely little black garden, but it is absolutely inundated with onion weed. Mm. And I'm just, I don't even know where to start. I know if you try and dig it out, you just spread it. Yeah, well, it just comes back and twice mm. as twice as and mean. And even coming through the brickwork and everything. So. Mm. Now, we've had a couple of callers ring in with how they've controlled their onion and weed. One caller said that she got sewing machine oil and dribbled that down the actual shaft of the onion weed and that rotted the bulb out. Uh, but if you've got... I'd need a litre or three. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, you probably need to go and get a 44-gallon drum of it. Um, and then uh, someone else said that they used sulphate of ammonia and it burnt the bulb. So they just hurled that all around the place. So you but could that's try not that. Going to, that's not going to kill the other plants. And trees and things that are growing. Um, well, you just what you have to do is you wait for the onion grass to be wet, and then you put it on. You sprinkle it on the onion weed when it's wet, so the okay. onion weed will suck it all up before okay. anything else gets to it. I'll give it a go. Thank you very of much course, indeed. farmers use an agricultural herbicide that you need a license for. So. Uh, and you don't want to be hurling that around your garden. No, fair enough. Uh, on the text line, uh, Sue in Mundaring said, can I spray pink scale on a fig tree with pest oil? Yeah, absolutely. And you'll need to do a follow-up spray two weeks later. Yes. Mm. Um, here is a pic of my sickly ericifolia, which mm. uh, was planted in March, have a gum tree hanging over it, but it gets plenty of light. How do I improve its growing and flowering? Oh. Um, uh, and it's mainly brown on the stalks and it's got some uh, Okay. So I was trying to figure out what, which one it was. It's actually a Banksia. Now, Arisafolia is an Eastern oh, States Ares- Banksia and likes acid soils. Oh. So that's exactly what mine do every time I try and grow them where I am. So you're going to have to... You're in Quinns... Um, no hope in hell of growing that particular banksia. I'd go for um, a West Australian banksia. Uh, that will just slowly die, I'm sorry to tell you. Okay. Uh, Lynn is in Albany. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning to you both. How are you today? Yeah, very well, Lynn. That's good. Um, Sabrina, I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, someone called in and they were talking about a passion fruit and a banana passion fruit, yeah. like and or or something. I can't remember. Yep. And you, you, as I recall, you made the comment about the banana passion fruit being a weed. Get rid of it. Yes. Well, um, nurseries are not allowed to sell the banana passion fruit anymore because it is such a weed, oh. uh, and it's completely uncontrollable, and it suckers everywhere. Oh, okay, because I've got one growing and it fruited really well. Oh yeah, they, oh, yeah, they fruit. They fruit really well, but they also sucker. So uh, the banana passion fruit was used as a graft for all the grafted passion fruit and that's why there were so many problems with them um, suckering everywhere. Right. So. Okay. Yep. So don't 
you know, you won't be able to buy the banana passion fruit anymore. Good to know. Um, coming up on Sports Talk, Clint Weald and Mark Duffield and Mick Malthouse are going to chat about West Coast's clash with North Melbourne. So that's coming up after 10 o'clock. We've got room for a few more calls. Let's go to Dan in Dal Wallenew. Hi, Dan. Yeah, good morning. How are you going? Yeah, good, so Dan. good. I've uh, just got a question. I'm planning on replanting, um, well, taking some apple trees out of 100-litre pots and planting them in the ground. Yeah. And I uh, just want to know what your thoughts are and recommendations are. Okay. Uh, no problem at all. Um, prepare the whole first. So where are, are they going in Dalwallanew as well? Yes. Okay. So get yourself some compost, a bit of manure. Is the soil sandy or heavy? It's reasonably heavy. Okay. All right. So um, I would get compost and some coarse river sand or some cocoa peat or potting mix because you want the water to drain away. They don't like wet feet. Slow-release fertiliser, it's a great time to put them in now. And, um, you know, if you're not getting any rain, water them for the first uh, few times. Uh, first few weeks, and then they're pretty tough apples, actually. Mm. They, they, um, and a nice thick mulch on the bottom. Now, Sabrina, you are going away for three weeks. <gasps> I am. I'm France. off to France, where oh. it's a lovely 39 degrees. Oh, I saw that. I'm banking that most of the gardens will be dead, actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you can go over and help them. Um, <laughs> I hope that you get a bit of a break. You get to relax. Yes. Um, thank you for your hard work over the past few weeks. Mark Tuchek will likely be in the studios. Yes. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. Stay safe and I will chat to you next weekend. See you, sir. Bye. This is an ABC podcast.